The other day, I was in the car, and someone cut me off, and I yelled, oh, shoot, as I swerved to get out of the way. My heart was racing, but as my heart calmed down, I heard a little voice from the back seat say, shoot, shoot. Have you ever had that moment where you realized you were caught and you didn't realize that someone was watching you? I didn't even know that she could say that word. Luckily, that's all that I said, but I do need to be careful about the things that I say and how I act because there are little ears that are listening. My heart, my reactions, all that I do are being imprinted on hers. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Luckily for me, she's around her mother a lot and gets imprinted with all that is good and beautiful in the world. Catherine loves the pool and she has a heart for worship. And she is beautiful inside and out, just like her mother. But see, people say this all the time. She's just like her mother. And she may not grow up to look just like us, but she will have our DNA, our heart. All of this is, will be imprinted on her heart. We, as parents, give our DNA to our kids. But so do teachers, mentors, and institutions. They all impart their DNA or their spiritual DNA. The whole reason we ask the question, what school did you go to, is because it reveals a part of your character, your DNA, something that shaped you. Our world is broken and it is in desperate need of people who are willing to share their hearts and impart their DNA on the next generation. This morning, this is a call to spiritual fathers and mothers. Maybe it's spiritual grandparents. It's this reciprocal back and forth where we shape each other. Some of you are in the sandwich generation where you're shaping your parents, or maybe grandparents. Did you know that when you watch kids' TV, that TV shows advertise cars? And you may think, that's funny, kids can't drive. Why are they advertising to kids? That's, that's just weird. But oddly enough, advertisers know that parents buy cars that they think that their kids will think are cool. And advertisers know that. They know that those who are around us shape us. They shape the things we say, the things we like, and the things that we buy. You see, we shape our kids, and then our kids shape us. Every teacher or youth leader knows this, that they are shaped by their kids as well. They say words like yeet, or they get into roadblocks, or things like that that are just like, when would I have ever known that except for the fact that I'm around kids that are now shaping me? And this isn't new. God knew that we grow best in the context of community and that, that this is where we have a need for spiritual fathers and mothers to help shepherd and shape the next generation. Well, this morning, I want us to look at one of my favorite passages, and it's in Scripture in Malachi chapter 4. And Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Old Testament professor John Golden Gay says this, this passage is an example of the bluntness of Scripture, where the people of God talk openly with God, and God does the same. That's what the prophetic books are often about. And this bluntness is because of trust. There is an assumption of deep relationship where we can say the hard and uncomfortable things. The raw emotions that we really feel deep within us are all come out in their unfiltered truth. 
This prophetic book is pointing to a profound covenantal relationship that can handle open and direct and honest conversation. And Malachi is bridging the Old and the New Testament. So there's both a, a looking back and a looking forward. And in the midst of this, God reveals and responds with this deep call. He says this in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under your feet. And on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Oreb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. And here he's looking back to the Old Testament. He's bridging God's promise to Israel. And then he says in verse five, behold, I will send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now I want us to see this passage here. He says, return the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. He is speaking specifically about Elijah being John the Baptist, preparing the way for the spiritual reconciling work of Jesus where God would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. This is not just about fathers, but it's about mothers. It's about all of us being spiritually shepherds and being shepherded and joining in the reconciling work of Jesus. And this is a call for all of us to enter in. And this theme of discipleship, of spiritual fathering and mothering, is a theme that is repeated all throughout scripture. There are many examples. Obviously, Jesus was a model of this with his 12 disciples. He shared with them in life and heart and how he walked with them and how he talked with them one-on-one in the group of 12 and also in the masses. And he says to them in Matthew eleven twenty-nine, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, Jesus is promising that that if we follow him, if we enter in, if we take his yoke of learning, his mantle of spiritual sons and daughters, and we learn from him, that we will find rest for our souls. It will be good for us. There will be this deep transformation that happens as we are spiritually fathered and mothered and as we enter in to this spiritual community. But it doesn't just stop with the example of Jesus and his disciples. We also think of of Paul and Barnabas and, and many. You see, when we think of mentoring, we often think of Paul and how he mentored so many. Paul speaks to the Corinthians and he says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. It's 1 Corinthians 11.1. But before Paul was mentoring others, he first had to go through his own heart transformation. You see, it was Saul who encountered Christ on the road to Damascus. And this is where he was mentored. As he encountered Christ, he was then mentored by Ananias and the disciples at Damascus, and then by Barnabas, where he was 
Barnabas vouched for him and walked with him, and, and then they become a pair. And, and his name is changed to Paul, and we, we hear the story in Acts chapter 9. But then Paul and Barnabas become these spiritual tag team of brothers who encounter and walk together and shape others. You see, it's this mentoring relationship where, where as we mentor one, they mentor others. And it's this growth of the family of God. There's another story in scripture that I love, and, and some of you may not be familiar with this, but it's a great story of Lois and Eunice and how they left a spiritual heritage that rippled all throughout scripture. Who are, Lewis, or who are Lois and Eunice, you may ask? Lois and Eunice remind us that mentors can also come in the form of family members. We know of these two women through Paul's letter to Timothy, where he mentions them by name and how they imparted a deep spiritual DNA in Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.5 says this, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and in her mother, or in your mother Eunice, and I also am persuaded is in you also. Here we see that, that Eunice and Lois mentored Timothy in the faith. And Acts 16 reminds us that Timothy's faith was shaped by his mother and grandmother, even though his father was not a follower of the way, at least not yet at that point. This morning, this is a call to love and shape those around us, especially those in the next generation. You see, there is a power in a covenantal relationship. We grow best not when we are belittled or guilted or shamed or made to look dumb, but when we are loved and when there is trust. When someone trusts you, they tell you the hard things. And they still encourage you and they push you towards positive and healthy outcomes. When someone believes in me, even when I don't believe in myself, it gives me a confidence to step out and to try things that I otherwise would not. This is the power of a covenantal relationship. And we serve a covenantal God who never changes and will always be there for us. Think through who the mentors were in your own life, who deeply shaped you because they believed in you and they got on your level and they loved you and, and they also had the ability to, to help shape you and to speak truth and to walk alongside of you even when you made a mistake. But they called out the best inside of you. This morning, I wanna share three keys to connecting across generations. And the first one is this. The first truth is your kids will always be your kids. Your kids will always be your kids. That is a covenantal relationship. Here is this deep abiding love that transcends everything else in life. And this is how God sees us. You see, we are all created in the image of God. And he sent his son for us. And he will never stop loving us. And this is the God who says on the cross, I loved you this much and I will never, ever stop loving you because kids will always be your kids. 
And when I think of this point, I don't just think of our, our biological kids. One of the piece, people that comes to mind, I, I think of Shelly Carpenter, who loves each and every one of her kids at ALCS. Those are her kids. And she has imprinted a piece of her heart into the hearts of each one of their little lives. That's what it means. They will always be her kids. They will always be shaped by her love. And, and, and our kids will always be our kids, whoever they are. God is calling us. And one of the keys of life is the ability to share our hearts and to imprint on the lives of those who are around us because they will always be our kids, whether they are our biological kids or not. The second truth I want us to think about this morning is to get on their level. This is about having a missionary mindset where we begin to, to learn their language. We get to, to play and to laugh. And I, I think of the image of grandparents getting down on the floor and rolling around and playing with their grandkids. This is so beautiful. And I often see this after church where the kids are running around and people are, are running and playing with them or they're taking them over and they're saying tree and they're showing them so many unique and beautiful things. Just the other week, Pastor Mike shared the story of, of Tom Foley sharing orange Tic Tacs with Levi and how Levi would go running up to him and, and Mr. Tom, can I have an orange Tic Tac? But, but you see, it's, it's Tom's willingness to get on his level and to truly love and have fun with him. And kids recognize this. They recognize when people, adults, People older than them see them and love them and they're open. And then kids will just run to them. And we see this in scripture too. This is where Jesus says that famous passage, let the little ones come to me. We adults are far too quick to say that we have more important things to do. And we try to tell Jesus to just send the kids away. But Jesus knows the most important thing and he draws them close. And so my challenge to us is, Go coach that team. Go hand out those Tic Tacs. Go get on the floor with your kids. Go laugh and, and have fun with your grandkids. Be silly because it's fun and it's good for us too. And it communicates this love, this reciprocal relationship because we as adults often get far too serious with adult stuff and it gets heavy for our soul and we need to laugh too. The third thing that's key that I want to talk about this morning is disappointment. Disappointment. And this is one of the things that's hard to talk about because parenting isn't always easy. The other day I was at recovery a few weeks ago and, and one of the men was talking about his childhood. And to see a grown man cry as he talked about the pain and the grief and the trauma of his life of never being able to live up to his father's expectations. His father was a hard man and he constantly felt like he was a disappointment. Another person spoke up and talked about the struggle of, of walking with a child who had addiction and how his kids were, were in some ways a disappointment. And then the reality hit the whole group like a ton of bricks. And the reality is, at some level, we are all a disappointment because we're human. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect. My parents were gonna make mistakes. 
I'm going to make mistakes as, as a parent. That's part of life. And it's something that we need to acknowledge. And, and I am fully aware that in some cases it's worse than others. And I'm not trying to belittle trauma or abuse. But I can't stand up here and say that and talk about intergenerations without naming the elephant in the room that sometimes it's hard. And we just don't have good role models and and we struggle with disappointment, whether it's with our parents or with our kids or with just life in general, and we don't know what to do with it. What do we do with disappointment? I'm reminded of this story from my own life. It's a story about a time whenever I was playing basketball and I was talking to my mom this week and, and I think it's whenever I was in fifth grade. Um... You see, when I was in fifth grade, I, I was an insecure kid. And I thought far too much about what other people thought. And, and I went to a private school, but this league that I got to play in was at the local public school, and I didn't know anyone other than my best friend. And, and I was embarrassed about my own family. And there are a million reasons why in my little mind uh, about how and why my family stood out in, in the deep desire that I felt to fit in and just be normal and why I felt so insecure about this. But as I re- reflected on the story with my mom, I recognized how painful this story truly was. I was playing in the summer basketball league with my best friend, but I didn't want any of the other kids to know who my family was. And so on the way to the game that day, I told my mom, I said, Mom, I don't want other kids to know that you're my mom. So don't yell or cheer for me. I don't want anyone else to know that, that, that you're there. And so can, can you just say, you can yell and cheer, but maybe say, go Team Green. But don't call out my name. I can't imagine how much this hurt my mom. And as a parent, even to this day, I'm grieved that I shared this. But how hard that was to be denied by her own son. I mean, she didn't have to bring me. She could have just looked at me and said, all right, kid, we're going home. Or she could have chewed me out. She could have just been hurt about this and and taken it personally and just left. But she didn't. She knew that this wasn't about her. She knew that this was something that I was struggling with and and that that if I was going to grow up, I had to fight through this. And so she stayed anyway. And she cheered and she yelled, Go Team Green! Just like I had asked. You know, even as I tell this story, I think, how often do, do I treat God this way? God... You can, you can come to my game, but can, can you sit up in the nosebleed seats? God, you can bless me, but, but, but I don't want you to stand out in front of my friends. There are times where we, we come and we're embarrassed, and, and, and we want him to sit in the nosebleed seats, and, and we want God on Sunday mornings, but we don't want him to show up at work. And we struggle, and we don't want him to acknowledge us in front of others, and we struggle to acknowledge him in front of others because we're struggling with our own stuff and we just want to fit in. Luckily, this wasn't the end of the story. You see, as the game went on, our team was losing by two points. And and I got the ball and I went in to shoot and I was fouled. 
And my best friend's mom looked at my mom and said, no pressure, Susan. And the reality is, I think most of the parents knew who my mom was anyway. But back to the story. I made both of those foul shots. Then with five seconds left, the other team missed their shot, and and we got the the ball, and and we had a, a play that was all set up. And we faked it to our best shooter and passed it to another kid who was wide open for a layup. And we won the game, and the whole team went crazy, and I ran into the stands shouting, Mom, we won! We won, Mom, we won! And there was this moment in life that's worth more than words can say. These are the diamonds in the rough where where I forgot everything I had promised my mom about. Don't acknowledge me. And I went and I embraced my mom and I said, Mom, we won. And you may feel like you're a disappointment as a parent to your kids or maybe your kids are a disappointment and you're not sure what to do in that moment. But my challenge to you is in the midst of disappointment, show up anyway. That's what my mom did. I'm sure it grieved her heart, but she showed up anyway because you never know when you're going to find just the right moment where redemption will break through. And you're going to get that moment. Mom, we won and you're gonna embrace. And these are the moments that we pray for when that family member that we have been praying for has that strange warming of the heart and they see how God has been there all along because he showed up anyway. The covenantal love of God shows up in the way in the story of the prodigal son where the father is always out there looking and waiting and preparing for the return of his son. He showed up anyway. God is a God of covenantal love and relationship who is always there for us. He is always willing to get down on our level as was evident by the sending of his son to die for each and every one of us. He shows up anyway, and he waits for that powerful, redemptive moment where we go and we embrace him and say, thank you, God. This wasn't really about you. This was about me and my own brokenness. I don't know about you, but this is the kind of God that I need. A father that reaches across time with a deep, covenantal love that reaches across generations and gets down on my level and shows up even when I'm struggling with my own disappointment and brokenness. That's the kind of love that I need. And that's the kind of love that I hope our church is able to be in our community. What if we were that kind of church? What if we were the kind of church that became spiritual fathers and mothers and and we were not determined by the words of a few of our leaders, but, but this isn't just about Pastor Mike and, and, and me, but this is about each one of us creating by our actions an atmosphere of love and grace. Like the old quote says, a home is not simply a house with four walls. Home is where the heart is. This is each one of us creating an atmosphere of love here at Solid Ground, a welcoming community where we love across generations, 
where we get down on other people's levels and we speak their language. Yes, we may have our own quirks. And just like our kids will always be our kids, so our family will always be our family. Let's be that kind of a church that gets on other people's levels and gives out Tic Tacs, where we, we go and we just do things for our community because we care, because we care and we love. And we have that same covenantal love, that same transcendent love, the same love of Paul and Barnabas, the same love of Lois and Eunice, the same love that Jesus had for his disciples, that, that we have this heart to see the Father's reach out and love their children and children be reunited with their fathers. And yes, in some ways, we are all dealing with our own hurts and disappointments. But let's be the kind of church that shows up anyway for the people of our families and our communities and those around us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this call to loving across generations that Pastor Mike has been leading us on this last week and, and this next week, God. And I pray that you would just give us the opportunity to partner with you in what you are doing in our world. And God, those places where we are, are broken and we need your reconciling love, Lord, I pray that we would open our hearts up to hear from you today. And God, would you remind us that our kids will always be our kids. And whether that's us always being your child or us having a love for our family members in a covenantal way, God, would you help us to be present, to be on other people's levels and to always show up. And thank you for being the kind of God who always shows up for us. Thank you, God. Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as you go today, let me leave you with a prayer of blessing. But before I do, let me remind you, if, if God has been stirring something in your heart today, I invite you to reach out to us through the website or through our Facebook page and let us pray for you. Let us stand with you and, and, and maybe you wanna just courage. You know, maybe you wanna just say, I want to do this and, and I want someone to be praying for me as I do it. So I invite you to reach out to us through our website at sgbic.com. Well, let me leave you with this blessing. As you go, may you receive the love of the Father today, knowing that you will always be his child, that he created you, he loved you, and he died for you. And he's willing to be there on your level. And regardless of whatever the broken or hard thing is that's going on in your life, God will show up. And so as we receive that today, let's be the kind of people who do that for each other. May you have a great week. We love you and we're praying for you. Have a great day.